to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Well, it's an honor to be here this morning, and I just honor uh, Pastor Jeremy and Ashley. What an incredible uh, couple. Uh, what a gift to the body of Christ. And that's what the word says is the Lord has given us gifts, and these pastors are incredible gifts. Um, my wife and I are so blessed to be here. We started out in the Dallas campus. We moved to Salina a couple of years ago and said, well, instead of us driving down there, let's just go check out what they're doing in Frisco. And we fell in love with this, this campus. We fell in love with the people, with the ministry that's happening here. It's just been fantastic. I was excited to see Bo uh, leading worship today because Bo and I shop at the same place. Our tailor is a little bit short on the legs. <laughs> So I felt better about it. I always love when Bo leads worship because there's such an anointing. There's such an anointing of joy and such a freedom, Bo, when you worship and when you lead worship. And so when I saw that this morning, I was truly excited. And uh, so thank you and your team for just pouring out this morning. Um, I, was, I was ministered to... Uh, as Pastor Jeremy said, I've had the privilege of, of serving the Lord for a long time. Another way of saying I'm an old fart. Um, <laughs> but I have had the joy and the honor of serving the Lord. I didn't always serve the Lord. I started out as a kid. I got born again when I was about nine and baptized. And then uh, received the call of, of ministry when I was 16. And I just... I was at a youth camp. How many of you, the youth ex, right? How many of you received the Lord when you're at youth camp? I can remember I was around a campfire and the Lord was just pressing on me to just, there was a call for, for being in full-time ministry and for, for uh, I felt like the Lord was calling me to preach at that time. And I was like, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. The Lord's going to send me someplace I don't want to go. Uh, and in my mind, it was like Africa or wherever. I don't want to be separated from my family from now on because my concept of God was that he's going to make you do something you don't want to do. How many of you have ever had that concept of God, right? I was jacked up, and I, I just remember that was my, I was just like, God, I'm not going to do it. Finally, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do it. Well, I can tell you today that Africa, number one, Zimbabwe, who's my Zimbabwean uh, girl? I know she's around here somewhere. Yeah, so... That is probably one of my favorite places on the planet. And it was a misunderstanding of the goodness of God. I didn't realize how good he was. I thought that he would make us do something we didn't want to do when really he would put a desire in our heart to do the things that he wants us to do. So the things that he puts in our heart become the greatest joy in our lives. And I've had the wonderful privilege of traveling all over the world preaching the gospel, which I never thought I would do. In fact, I got so jacked up when I was in my 20s and so far away from the Lord that I'd never thought the Lord would use me. I was at a, a conference for a, a marriage conference, and I was, got there early, and I was sitting in the back, back there, kind of where Derek is, and I remember nobody was in there, and I had a vision, and the Lord showed me standing up on a stage preaching to thousands of people, and he just whispered to me, I haven't changed my mind about you. I haven't changed my mind about you. I want to tell some of you today, the Lord has not changed his mind about you. Some of you may have felt like you've 
ripped your drawers so bad, you're so jacked up that you'll never be able to please God. But I love what Shane said. We are the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're either 100% righteous or you're not righteous at all. God doesn't grade on a curve. That's good news. Come on, that is good news. You're as righteous as you will ever be right now. Not when you get to heaven right now. Amen? And the Lord just said, I haven't changed my mind about you. And I remember just thinking, God, that you would be so good to me. And years later, I remember when I was just starting a church, we moved here to plant a church back in 98. I remember being in this little hole. It's actually like a, a janitor's closet that I turned into my office in a shopping center just like this. And I remember being in there, and I had bought some, some videos to watch just to, to train myself up. And one of them was by a guy named Willie George out of Tulsa. And I remember it was on missions. It was on the mission heart of God. And my concept of missions was the missionary would come in once a year and... Uh, Everybody would take that time as an opportunity to stay home that night, right? There was no honor. There was no value. In fact, he never got to preach on a Sunday morning. It was maybe on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. But again, there was just not honor. There was no honor. And, and, and it just seemed like, this is just my perception, is that everybody would bring, you know, they were encouraged to bring their gifts for the missionary. And, the mission, and so typically they'd you know, weed out their closet and they bring him all of their, their hand-me-downs and everything that they couldn't wear and everything that was worn out. And they just give that as such an honorable gift, Casey. It's just, let me just bless you with this incredible gift of, of junk. And that's the way I felt about it. And I was just like, God, I remember in my, in my office just saying, if you would ever bring a missionary... this house, I'll honor them. I will bless them. I will sow into them. I'll take them and their whole family, take them to the finest stores, buy them brand new clothes, fill their boat. As a result of that one prayer, I'll never forget it. God started bringing people to me. He started leading people to me. The first one was a, was a Zambian. And that Zambian came as a result of a mutual friend of ours. They later got married. He invited me to Zambia, then to Zimbabwe. Then I had a gentleman take me to China, to Myanmar, to Iraq, to all of these countries multiple times. And the Lord just began to bless us. That little church ended up, in the time that I was there, building over 30 churches around the world and sowing into ministries as a result of that one prayer. And it was God putting it in, in my heart. The word says that he would cause you to, to do the things. He would give you the will and the faith, right, to do those things. There are dreams that are locked on the inside of us that we don't even realize are there. The Lord wants those out. He's the one that's put them in there. He created you. You're unique. You're not like Pastor Jeremy. You're not like, like Bo. You're somebody that's unique. And this morning, I want to challenge you to live a life that's worthy of your calling.
The word says that you would live a life. Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I, a prisoner for the gospel, beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. If we don't realize that we have a high calling on our lives, we're never going to live up to that. It's what Shane said earlier today. Many of us live to the level of our expectancy. It's like the... the the Mexican jumping beans that they used to have that when we were kids, you could train them, and then when you took off the lid, they wouldn't jump out of there because they'd been trained only to jump so high. Many of us, the expectancy that's been put on our lives is only to jump so high. But the Lord wants you to jump out and further and go beyond what any expectations have been put on your life. He wants you to go far above, for the word says he is the God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask, hope, or even dream about. That's the God we serve. And he wants you to live and created you to live a life worthy of that calling. There's one guy that didn't get the memo, and I just want to read a quick story about him. Maybe. Let's see. See if I texted it to myself. While I'm looking for that, if you'll just turn to Ephesians, we'll start in chapter 1. There once lived a man who never risked, he never tried. He never laughed, he never cried. Then one day when he passed away, his insurance was denied. They said since he never really lived, then he re never really died. Come on. If we don't live for him, what is the value of why he called us to him? Many of us, are trying to get ourselves to heaven when God is trying to get heaven to earth. Amen? If you don't realize you have a calling and you don't realize you have an inheritance, then you'll never benefit from it. But I'm here to tell you, you have a calling, a high calling by God, and you have an inheritance by God. The word says in Ephesians 1.11, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we've received an inheritance from God. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, because we have become his poetry, recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he's given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny, the good works we would do to fulfill it. You were recreated unto good works. It's kind of like the old uh, video games, you know, where you, uh, I think it's like Mario Brothers, where you're climbing and all of this, and you're climbing different levels just so that you can get that prize, right? And when you get that prize, it, it bonuses you on your points. Can I tell you that there are works that you have that are already laid out in front of you that all you have to do is just go about your business, and the Lord has already ordained it. He's ordained. The word says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by him. They're ordained by him. He's already set it up for you. And then he gives you credit for it, even though he's the one that set it up in the first place. We think we're going to miss the destiny that God has on our lives when God said there's no way. I'm always recalculating. 
I'm always recalculating. If you miss a turn here, I'm recalculating to get you to your destiny. I'm recalculating to get you where I called you to be. All he's asking for us is for us to believe and for us to yield to his Holy Spirit. Amen? When the Holy Spirit says, go and talk to this person, and we do that, man, there's a benefit to it. It was several months ago. Now it's been maybe a year ago when we were in the Dallas campus. It was on a Sunday night. We were listening to Pastor Rabbi Jason. And I remember we were excited. We heard him in the morning. We said, well, let's go back in the evening. Well, it happened to be downpour that day. And uh, so when we got there, nobody was standing outside. They were all inside, and every seat was filled. And Jet and I ended up in the back corner standing. Uh, there was one little stool. I said, you take that. We were standing there. And while we were worshiping, all of a sudden there was this guy that came in. He had a cowboy hat on, and he was walking. He was, had kind of a John Wayne look. And he went all the way down to the front, and he looked around for seats. There was no seats. He looked on the way back, and he came back. And so anyways, the Lord just highlighted him to me, and he stood right in front of me during worship. And all of a sudden, the Lord just gave me a word for him and said, I want you to go talk to him. I want you to release this word. And so I did. I said, I don't know if you're going to understand this, but the Lord told me to come and share this with you. And I did, and I shared the word the Lord gave me. He freaked out. He said, you have no idea what you just told me. You have no idea what you just told me. And so we kept going. And so then later I talked to him a minute. I said, where are you from? And he said, I'm from uh, Kurdistan. I said, really? I've been to Kurdistan. He said, no way. I said, yes way. <laughs> he said, if you need anything in Kurdistan, you let me know. My family's very influential. And I said, really? I said, uh, who's your dad? He told me who his dad was. I had met his dad in Kurdistan in the prime minister of Kurdistan's home. And at that exact time, uh, we invited him to come over to our, our home for dinner. And uh, good friends of ours were with his dad in Kurdistan while he was there. We took a picture and sent it to him. And his dad was freaking out because his dad had been praying for him right? Our friend had been praying for his dad for years to become a believer. Now, this is in a Muslim nation. This was a young man who was raised Muslim. He was, he, he, he was supernaturally brought into a front row seat in the Dallas campus, and God, through, through just an anointing, uh, had a worship leader come and just put her hand on his chest and he got transformed on the front row of the Dallas campus and God has a call on his life. And we believe that he has a call to go back to the Middle East and open up Kurdistan for Christians, for the Christians to flourish. This is what's been happening is to create a safe place for believers in the Middle East. Amen. In fact, many, many believers in the Middle East have been seeing visions and dreams I met a man while I was in Iraq who told me a story. He said he was a radical jihadist. He wore the full garb, had the long uh, beard, had the hood. He carried grenades in his hood. So in case he wanted to blow someplace up, that was always an option. And he said uh, his imam came to him and gave him a Bible and said, I want you to take this home and study this. He said, because the evangelicals are coming and I want to def I want to." Uh, defeat them with their own book. That's what he said. So he said the man went home that night. He said, I went home, and he said, I opened the Bible, and he, he, had, he had no knowledge of the Bible, right? 
He opened it to the book of John, and while he was reading in the book of John, he said, I don't know who this person is in here, but I know he's talking about me. And he said the, the Pharisee that was described in the scripture, he said, I just felt like that was me. And he said, but I wanted to know God. And he said, so that night I went to bed, and before I went to sleep, he said, I prayed and I asked God, I said, tell me who you are because I want to serve you. If you are Muhammad, confirm to me you're Muhammad. If you are Issa, which is Jesus in, in their language, confirm that to me. If you are Buddha, confirm that to me. I don't care who you are. I just want to know who you are so that I can serve you. That night he fell asleep, and in the middle of his sleep he had a dream. And in the dream he said he saw out into the desert, in the Sahara Desert, he saw these horses that were coming at him. There were, there were three or four horses, three initially, and they all had riders with these flowing garments. And he said, instantly I got excited because I knew it was Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. And he said, I began to, to celebrate, and I'm celebrating as they had come flowing past me, and they rode right past me. And then he said there was one further behind that was in the distance that had a veil covering his face, and he was riding on a donkey side saddle. And he said, as he got closer, he removed the veil, and this bright light just hit me. And he said, I began to weep, and I began to cry out, and I began to, to repent of my sin. And he said, I knew that Jesus was the Christ. And he said, I woke up in my, in my bed, and my pillow was saturated from the tears that I'd cried. Instantly, I knew that I need to go find out how to be a Christian is what he said. And he said he went to one of the local churches. He went to a, a, a one church and he asked the priest, can you tell me how to become a, a Christian? It was a, a, a compound. And so they had a gate and the priest came and rolled the gate open. And when he told him what he wanted, the priest said, oh, no, you're, you're Muslim. You're OK. And he closed the gate because he was afraid that he'd get blown up. He said, I was so tormented, and I told my men, I said, we've got to find out how to become Christian. He said, I did remember that there was a Christian bookstore in downtown, and I went to that Christian bookstore, and I went inside, and there were men gathered there talking and having coffee, and he said, I went up to one table and said, can you please tell me how do I become a Christian? And he said, instantly, everybody at the table got up and left the cafe, and he said, I had to chase him down and say, no, 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 I'm serious. I want to know. Wouldn't it be something if somebody chased you down and said, would you tell me? How do I get what you've got? And he said, they came back in and they shared with him how to become Christian. And they prayed over him. And he said, all I know is when I went in, I was full of hate. And when I got up out of that prayer, I was so full of love that I wanted to hug everybody in the cafe. <laughs> By him becoming a believer, his father-in-law, who was the chief imam of his village, put a hit on him. He had moved three times in a year and a half just to stay ahead of his father-in-law. He was so full of joy, you cannot believe it. He was smuggling Bibles into Iran. One of the most dangerous things you could do. He was taking the, the, the way that they would traffic the drugs out of Iran. He was using those same uh, paths to smuggle Bibles into Iran. 
where one of the greatest revivals of all time is happening right now. And he was so full of joy. He was living a life worthy of the calling on his life. I wonder why many of us aren't living the life that's worthy. My thoughts are there's a couple. One of them is we're still shadow boxing with the devil. He's got us chasing our tail, trying to be perfect. Trying to be the perfect Christian. Sin has been dealt with. You're not an old sinner anymore. Paul calls us the saints, the set aside, the called out ones. You don't have to keep shadow boxing with the devil over your sin. The Lord is already taking care of it. He's already provided everything that you need. Stop trying this behavior modification. Stop being so sin conscious. Begin to be God conscious. God, what do you want for me to do today? Where do you want for me to go? Many times I just wake up and I say, God, where do you want me to go today? What do you want to do? I love going to Wally World. I mean, I hate going to Wally World, but when I go, <laughs> let me rephrase that. When I go, I say, Lord, show me somebody in here today that needs your love. Show me somebody that needs prayer, somebody that needs healing, somebody that needs a touch from you. And over and over again, the Lord has shown up. When we live our day with expectancy and wide-eyed, God, where do you want us to go? That changes the way that we live. Amen? When we look for opportunities and our eyes are open and we see the glory and the beauty and the radiance, there's joy that takes place. Instead of, it, when you're sin conscious, you're under condemnation all the time. When you're, when you're so sin conscious, you're beat down. There's no joy. And you're always wondering when the other, other shoe's going to drop. But when we're full of joy, the word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's a whole different way of life right there. That's a whole different expectancy. God, what do you want to do today? How can we do something together? He loves to co-labor with us. So number one, I think we need to stop believing the lies. Number two, I don't think we understand our identity. Many of us have never really understand that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're king's kids. Come on, you are a king's kid. If you're a born-again believer, you are a king's kid. He will fight heaven and earth for you. He's already made provision for you. You don't have to worry about uh, those things. He's already dealt with the sin issue. He's now fighting. He fights for peace on our behalf. He's fighting for you. He's fighting for your family. His kind of love is a multi-generational love. Amen? I, I just love that we get to, to do life together. We get to co-labor together. We are new creations. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. 
Believe what God says about you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Amplified says this, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he's a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Come on, you're a brand new creation if you're in Christ Jesus. And that means a new creature. That means something that's never been on the planet before. Think about that. You are something that's never been on the planet before. There's nobody that's been created just like you ever. And you were created for such a time as this. I love Robert and, and Tiffany Lowe. We, we were visiting with them the other night and we were talking about missions and we were talking about those things and Robert just reminded me of there are people that are coming into our state right now. There is a transference of wealth, if you will. And I'm not talking about uh, this kind of wealth. I'm talking about a harvest. Come on, we, the harvest is plentiful. There are people that are coming here and we can say, I don't want to be Californianized or whatever. I don't want people from New York or Connecticut. I don't want them changing you know, our culture, or we can say, oh, what an opportunity. Whoo, look who's coming. They don't even know what we're, what we're doing. They don't even know what's happening in Texas. The Holy Spirit is showing up 24-7. They're coming so that they can get born again, so that whole families can be transformed. Come on, I've got to share this scripture, Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, it says this, says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me, right? To preach the good news, to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to proclaim the favor of the Lord. Can I tell you that if Christ lives in you, you're anointed to do the exact same thing. You are anointed to walk, to, to preach the good news, the good news of the gospel of peace. You're anointed to preach the good news to those around you. You're anointed to set captives free. You're anointed to heal up the brokenhearted. You're anointed to declare the favor of the Lord. And you know what the result of that is? The word says they'll be given the oil of joy instead of ashes of mourning. The word says they'll become oaks of righteousness. Man, they'll become this glory and this splendor that puts God on display. The people that you minister to, if you could see them the way God created them to be, not the way they are today, wouldn't that create a whole different scenario for the way that you interact with them? Instead of being fearful, you'd be so full of love, so full of the Father's pleasure, so full of the Father's joy to see that you were brought into their path for such a time as this. And the word says, not only that, says that they will then go back and rebuild the cities that have laid in devastation for many generations. Can I tell you that many families have laid in devastation for many generations? But when one comes to the Lord, when one gets filled with the Spirit, he goes back and he begins to minister to his family. He goes back and he redeems those generations. That's what God's after. He's not after just the one. He's after the whole bloodline. He's after the future generation. I love Jeff and Bessie. They've got a couple of incredible kids. 
and they're, they're, they're loving on them, and they are having a multi-generational blessing. They're literally seeing two young people who live homeless, brought into their home to see the love of the Lord and to experience him and to be transformed for a future. There's no telling what will happen as a result of that. There's no telling the people that they will touch as a result of somebody having the willingness and the eyes to see them the way Christ sees them. Aren't you glad that somebody saw you different than you were? Live a life worthy. Many of us have never really fully experienced the love of Christ. We got saved because we wanted a ticket out of hell. And everything about our experience has been self-serving. Well, I'll serve you as long as everything's going good for me. We've never really gotten past that to see that, wait a minute, I have a call on my life. God created me. He filled me with love so that I could live a life that's worthy. Paul says, I pray that you'd be grounded and rooted in love. Why? So that you could flourish. You can't flourish unless you're grounded and rooted in the fact that you're loved. You are so loved. Regardless of what you've ever done, God has a plan for your life. He loves you. Romans 12, 2 says this in the Amplified. Don't be conformed to this world or this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed or changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight. Can I tell you that, that uh, Jesus didn't come just to save us? He came to transform us. He came to transform us. So what is your calling? Some of you might say, well, I'm a doctor. Well, I'm a mechanic. I'm a housewife. I'm a teacher. No, that's your vocation. What is your calling? You're called to be a son and a daughter. You're called to learn how to be sons and daughters. As Pastor Jeremy said uh, last week, he said, in times past, God's spoken to us through prophets, but now he speaks to us in the language of son. He calls us his son. He calls us his daughter. Come on, we're on first name basis. I'll never forget the story about this, this man who was trying to get in to the White House. And he was so depressed he could not get into the White House. And he was standing out front and this little boy comes up to him and says, Hey, mister, what's the matter? He said, Man, I've been trying to get in to see the president. And they won't let me in. And he said, Well, I can see the president. Follow me. And he walks right in. He walks right past the guards, right past the Secret Service, goes right into President Lincoln's office, and he said, Hey, Dad, this man wants to see you. <laughs> That's the difference in sonship. I had a dream years ago where the Lord gave me this vision where I was literally just coming into his presence and saying, Papa, look, I want to introduce you 
to Bo. I want to introduce you to Jeff. I want to introduce you to Amy. I want to introduce you. This, they're right here. I just want to introduce you. Why? Because we have access. You have unlimited access to the throne room. You don't have to beat yourself. There are people that are, are, I come from New Mexico, and in New Mexico there's a place called Chimayo, and they literally will crawl on their hands and knees for miles to get to the site where they believe is a holy site there just to get a clump of dirt. Why? Because they want to prove to God that they're serious. He's already proven to us how serious he is. Come on, we don't have to prove that. He gave his best for us. He held nothing back from you. He, he's proven to us how, how much he loves us, how valuable we are. Amen? And we're to look like the Father. The word says in the, in the I love the, the Passion Translation. I just have gotten really fallen in love with that translation. And it says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. It says, the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. The whole universe is standing on tiptoe to see what you're going to do. To see why God put his hand and his mark on you. I get, I, I get the privilege of being married to a creative. And I get really excited. I'll sit sometimes and just watch what Jet creates. I don't care if it's dinner. I don't care if it's making our bed. She's a painter. She's a creator. She, she uh, writes poems. She writes, she's writing a book. I mean, you know, I'm amazed. I mean, I'm absolutely amazed, and I get amazed all the time, and I love it because I can just sit back and watch. If you're a creative or you're married to a creative, you know what I'm talking about. And it's exciting because it's like a prism. It's like a prism of light that goes all different directions, and it's just amazing. You look at it from different directions and see different things. That's the way you are. The Word says that we have been made new in him. And when he comes through us, he fleshes out through us. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's in uh, Alvaro in your, in your worship, in, in the songs that you create, the, the words that are written, the poems that are written. David was a creative. David knew, David says, the Lord will make sure that I follow the plans that he has for my life. And as such, he created things. He created a house of worship 24-7. Can you imagine the instruments and stuff that David created? The things that he, that he provided, the, the, all the nuances. He provided all of that because he was a creative. He was also a warrior. I saw a man here today. I don't know where he's at, but he, he was up here with his, probably his grandson in worship. And it was powerful. He was carrying his grandson. I want to honor that man. That's what a tender warrior looks like. We can be a warrior and tender at the same time. God has so much he wants to do with us.
Many of us just don't realize why God has us in certain situations. It's so that he can be glorified. I went to work for a man after my wife passed away, and when Jet and I got married, I stepped down from the ministry, and I went to work as a salesman. And I went to work for one of the uh, most hardcore sales organizations in the Metroplex, and my sales manager was rank, rank, rank. He was an old uh, professional hockey player. He was a bruiser, and he was an intimidator, and he loved the F-bomb. Oh, my gosh, he'd use it with such skill <laughs> and such veracity. And I'll never forget in our sales meetings, I always sat on the front row right there, and he would come, and he would just, man, if he got upset, he'd just unleash. And I remember one day, he called me into his office, and he, he was real rough about it. He's like, Casey, I want you in my office. That's why he was like, okay. So I went into his office, and this was after the sales meeting. He said, close the door. So I closed the door, and he said, I need to apologize to you. I don't know what it is about you, but I have a hard time cussing in front of you. <laughs> and he would not admit that to anyone. But I believe that the Lord had given me a vision. The man that invited me to work there was a believer. I was a believer. We started attracting other believers, and we started praying for our, our owners. We started praying for our, our leaders. We started believing that God had us there for a reason. It'd be easy to say, God, that you would give him a promotion so he'd get out of here, and I don't have to jack with him anymore. But we had a vision to pray for him, to love on him. And things changed from that day forward. God wants to do that in your life. I know I've got to close, but I just wanted to share a couple of things. If we can see that God has a plan for our life, if we can live from God instead of for God. Jesus lived from the Father. He only did the things the Father told him. He only did things that Father showed him. If we can live from God instead of for God, it changes everything. Amen? And let the Lord be your strength. Let the Lord be your strength. And then if we can believe and obey the word of God, believe that we are who God says we are, we have what he says we have, we can do what he says we can do. If we will walk that way, you will transform nations. You will transform families. You will transform cities. You will transform schools that you're in. You will transform jobs that you're in. Amen? I want to tell you that the keys of the kingdom have been given to us to go and preach the good news, to go and set captives free, to go and heal the sick, to go and proclaim the favor of the Lord over people. You have the keys. In fact, the captain has turned off the seatbelt sign. You have freedom to move about the kingdom. Come on, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do, he's given you authority. In any place, you don't have to be a politician to go in and have an effect. You don't have to be a, an administrator at a school to have an effect on the students. You can volunteer like what was asked right here and have an impact on these little lives to see their lives transformed. 
Where would you like to go? Where would you like to dream? You have the privilege of being able to go and move about the kingdom and take the keys. They've been given to you. You're in the father and son business. You're in the father and daughter business. Come on, you're to look like your father. You're to talk like your father. You're to do the things your father has put on the inside of you. But it takes intimacy with him. It takes time with him. It takes the, the opportunity that you've got to set aside and come aside and get the joy of the Lord and see what it is that that person, I want to see that person delivered. I want to see what their life would look like if they got healed. Can you imagine somebody who's like the beggar in Acts chapter 3 that got healed? Can you imagine how his life changed as a result of him getting healed? He was able, able to provide for himself. He didn't have to have somebody carry him around. He had his head up again, not down. He understood what it meant. His whole world changed. If we can begin to see those that the Lord leads us to and see them in a different light, see what they would look like, healed, delivered, and set free, and begin to minister accordingly, begin to pray accordingly, begin to love accordingly, begin to declare the, the word of the Lord over their lives, begin to sow joy into their lives. They would have a joy explosion when they got set free. Can you imagine what his job must have been like when he got set free? And not only his, but everybody around him. The other day we had, uh, Jeff and I were out at our place. We have a little side-by-side uh, -side Polaris. And uh, their, their son was out there and he's 10 years old. And he asked if he could drive. And Jeff said, well, no, this is not my vehicle, son. I can't, I can't do that. And I remember as we were driving, we stopped. I got out. I said, you want to drive? And he said, what, me? I said, yeah, do you want to drive? M me? I said, yes, would you like to drive? Me? He kept saying, me? <laughs> His jaw dropped. Can I tell you that that's what happens whenever people get healed, delivered, and set free and understand who they are and their worth and their value? Their jaw will drop. There will be an explosion of joy that happens on the inside of them. I'll never forget the day that I got born again when I came back to the Lord, rather, and, and rededicated my life to the Lord. It's as though I was in a, a pickle between third and home. And I was just trying to stay in between. And then finally I ran and I dove and I grabbed home base and I was safe. I'll never forget that. The joy, the joy the joy. Up until that time, I would pray every night, Lord, don't let me die like this. Lord, don't let me die like this. To know that I was in his safe arms, to know that I was in his safety, to know that I was in his care as my dad. Can we pray? Father, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you put a high calling on us. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us an inheritance of righteousness, peace, and joy. We thank you for your infilling of your spirit. We thank you that you've recreated us unto good works, that we could walk in them. Give us a new vision, Lord. Give us a new idea of what you want to do. Give us a new desire, Lord, to 
spend time with you, to have intimacy with you. Oh, Father, you want to do something brand new in our lives. Father, I pray for those that are, are here today that are hearing, Lord, that you would just wreck them. Wreck them, Father. Give them an intention to live a life no longer sitting on the sidelines, sitting on their hands, but God, they would get in the game. Lord, they would begin to look and see that there are things that you want to do that are your pleasure, and they would see the excitement of setting people free and preaching the gospel and seeing people awaken to you, introducing people to the real, the real Christ. And they'd get excited about it. Lord, I pray your anointing and your favor upon them and their families. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.